everybody. I'm back with Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton. And this time, I'm not with her in a cafe in London. We're doing this via Zoom across the pond, as they say, and across another continent. Um, because I really think this is an important conversation to have now rather than wait until we can be in the same room again. Um, Manjir, as you know, is a visionary in the field of science and has been at least a decade ahead of her time in the understanding of what black holes actually are, which is diametrically opposed to what science currently says black holes are about. In fact, she's saying it's a source of incredible flows of information from a cellular level out to a cosmic level. So let's go with to Dr. Manjir right now, and we're going to take it into a whole new spin. Hi, Manjir. It's good to see you again. Hello, good to talk to you again, Regina. <laughs> hey, uh, everyone loved our last conversation, and that's where you introduced the notion that black holes may be um, essentially emitting water. And so let's talk about the implications of that for a moment, and then we're going to go into what else uh, they're exuding, which is changes our earth science understanding drastically. So let's talk about the last step from a year or two ago about water and black holes, okay? So a lot of people think that um, black holes are these great guzzling monsters. So um, when I've been speaking with you before, um, I've explained how my big insight back in, oh, all the way back in 2003 now, was that black holes are creative. So they are bringing light from higher dimensions um, to the edge of our reality, to the speed of light, which I have renamed the perception horizon. And then um, it kind of like this light then splits into two particles, the antimatter and the matter. So the um, it could be an, an electron and a positron, the two sort of mirror image particles so that's where the uh, the theory was for a long time and uh, the it, it doesn't just stick there though it, it's also the two particles combine again um, to form a, a gamma ray so um, it kind of breathes you know but uh, so this sort of signature is all over the universe I find evidence of it all over the universe from um, from the galactic black holes that are at the center of galaxies to actually stars and sunspots and things like that but I started to realize that they're also in the Earth's upper atmosphere and we commonly call those when we find these black holes the same signature the gamma rays the antimatter the electrons at almost the speed of light because it, they've just slowed down um, the lights just slowed down to um, the edge of our reality. And as the electrons come out, they come out at the speed of light because they're just slowing down to our reality. So we see that happening at every single level of the universe. And one of the most common ones that we see on our planet are called, I don't know if you can think of the name, Regina. <laughs> right, go ahead. Okay. They are called thunderstorms. Yes, <laughs> I remember reading your article about this. So you're saying you're saying that black uh, that thunderstorms are actually a black hole in action, which is fascinating because it's something we can see, something we can relate to. We're going to take it even further because you and and talk about this phenomena. But what you say that got me so jazzed the first time is that black holes are at their center of our atomic universe, at the center of atoms themselves, meaning 
everything is essentially has a black hole as its creative force. So let's talk about what it means in thunderstorms and then drill down. Yes, absolutely. So when you realize that it's the same signature, this um, simplicity that gives infinite complexity at every single level, you then realize that these so-called terrestrial gamma ray flashes that NASA and people have been finding above, you know, in the Earth's atmosphere for about 20 years now. They found these, what they call terrestrial gamma ray flashes, these very, very fast, you know, bursts of energy that have happened, um, you know, that happen above the clouds and they're associated with thunderstorms. Um, and this was a surprise to scientists. And they realized that you have, um, so, you know, they're the same, from my perspective, they're the same signature as you see in galactic black holes. So the things that are in the center of galaxies, you see gamma rays, you see antimatter, and you see electrons almost at the speed of light. You see the same things in thunderstorms. So you see um, gamma rays, terrestrial gamma ray flashes, you see antimatter. Now, I predicted this back in 2006. NASA found this in 2010. And you see electrons almost at the speed of light. We commonly call this lightning. <laughs> so, you know, people, if you want to have a look, you can look it up and see that lightning is actually um, not, we don't understand it fully from a mainstream scientific perspective. People keep saying, oh, well, there's all this, like, um, there's all this friction there in the clouds and that produces static. There is not nearly enough static electricity to produce lightning. Now, of course, the other element in thunderstorms is rain a lot of the time it produces rain now for many years I was keeping it to myself thinking that means that black holes produce water um, so if I'm right we should see water at every single level of the universe well around 2011 scientists found the largest body of water ever in space a very very deep um very deep into space they found this enormous body of water and guess what is coming out of black holes so often it's mixed in microwaves and uh you know so we we, we have this signature where you see water now all over space so you know how all the scientists have been finding you know uh water on mars water on um enceladus the moon you know they're finding water everywhere they even found it just at the time that we're recording it just a few weeks ago on an exoplanet that's similar to the Earth. So this is a planet that's not even in our solar system. They've detected water. Not a surprise to me because if you understand that the same signature is going throughout our reality, then you understand that the black hole principle itself is producing water. I love it. Okay, so this becomes a question then. Are they always producing water? Is that a common uh, factor that's held true to all black holes, or is it just that they're capable of producing water, some do and some don't? That's a really good question because, as I said at the beginning, you have this fluctuation that it goes one way and then the other. And that's what really, really uh, puzzles the scientists. They can't understand because their paradigm is violence. Sorry, but it is. Everything is guzzling each other. Everything is colliding into each other. And everything is kind of like, you know, exploding. So they think that the gamma ray bursts are produced 
by explosions. So when they see this pattern where it goes blink, 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 and then even 15 years later, you could see that same supernova, they think it's a supernova, like, you know, blinking again, they don't understand it. Because they're going, well, how would that still be exploding? It exploded 15 years or 50 years ago in, in some cases. So what it is is this breathing pattern. And so that breathing pattern also applies to the water as well. And we can see this on our own planet. We call them geysers or geysers, depending on how you pronounce it. So these ejections of water that we see coming out of the Earth itself is a good example of this intermittent emission of water. And we've seen this happening on Mars, seasonal changes of water on Mars. We've seen this on um, you know, moons such as Io. We've seen this on Enceladus. These ejections of water, even on our own moon, we've actually seen jets. And we've seen jets coming out of comets as well. So there's a really good question. Just like the black hole principle is intermittent and breathing, sometimes it gives us these um, matter and antimatter, sometimes the gamma rays. So it is with the water that it gives off as well. So it's this universe of this breathing process. I love it. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to thunderstorms for a moment because as you're talking, some other things are streaming into my head. Okay, um, you know the physicist uh, Patrick Flanagan, right? Do you know who Patrick Flanagan is? Uh, no, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, he's kind of known over in the U.S. and he's he and he, he's this genius that was you know constructing Tesla coils and like ham radios that would go thousands of miles when he's seven years old in the garage, right? Uh, anyway, his uh, fascination um, really ended up being in the human body, kind of our our biochemistry and how um, certain chemicals were were affecting it, and he ended up pr producing a product that boosts the levels of hydrogen called H minus or mega hydrate. He's the inventor of mega hydrate, which you'll probably run across. He, he's a kind of all round genius like you. And one day I was interviewing him. I said, Patrick, science still isn't telling us what electricity is. Okay. And he said, electricity. I said, what is it? He said, well, Regina, <laughs> electricity is the flow of electrons from a higher potential to a lower one. In other words, from one dimension into another, right? Okay, at the same time, now talking about thunderstorms, if you can put this together and see, it, it, tell me if there is any relation to the black hole theory in this. Now, from the Hermetic text, they say that thunderstorms, the clap of the thunder and the sound that you hear is actually the annihilation or explosion when electricity is applied to the hydrogen atom or another elemental atom. We're hearing the explosion of those atoms, which is that energy that makes everyone makes me run out as soon as I see thunder and lightning. I, I want to be out in it because it energizes us so deeply with the release of all of that energy. How how does this all play together for you? Well, that's a really good point because um, accompanying some of these ejections that happen is sound. 
So that's what you see when, well, we're here, not to see, but I mean, we, we hear this, this hum across the universe, um, the heartbeat of stars, we call it. You can look up the heartbeat of stars and you find my whole blog on that. You know, this pulse that is very similar to our own heartbeat, if you look at the EC, ECG or EKG, as you call it. And uh, so you have, um, you know, this heartbeat. So um, accompanying these ejections from black holes at every single level is sound and we know this from the mystics so whether that be um the thunder that we hear associated with lightning or the towers hum or you know things that we hear this humming from the earth don't we or we hear these loud sounds as one major one in Russia where there was a massive explosion some years back and um, you know it's accompanied by sound so um, and we heard this just before the sun is giving off some coronal mass ejection as well it's accompanied by sound by the way the sunspots also have been seen giving off water amazingly enough you know so stars also eject water and uh, if you put if you google stars eject water bullets you'll you'll find that reference as well this this is mainstream science i'm not sort of um this isn't wishful thinking on my part i'm not going to hope that they find stars ejecting water stars have been found ejecting water so it's it's part of the black hole principle it's part of the that around an ejection you'll also have sound accompanying it whether that be a thunderstorm or a, a solar flare or something else into the cosmos thank you for that i appreciate your tying it all together for me because i have been thinking about it um now we're going to go on to the sort of um your latest finding which has incredible implications and then we're going to go into where a type of cosmic intelligence factors into this um, because the lovely theme of uh, your black hole principle is that it is a source of creativity, replenishment, creation itself. And of course, behind creation has to be consciousness. So the latest thing, all right, for you is the notion that fossil fuels, diamonds, methane as well, are found in space and that you believe that they're created through the black hole principle as well on Earth. Let's talk about that. Now, I know this is going to be quite a reach for people, but <laughs> stay with me. So, um, you know, having, you know, taken on board what I've just said about the same pattern going throughout reality, um, earlier this year, and this is quite new for me in terms of where this area is, but I spent pretty much all year researching this and getting all the t references together. Um, so earlier this year, I was actually watching a documentary about the Gulf of Mexico, like you did, and um, it was talking about an asteroid impact. And that asteroid impact may even be supposedly um, responsible for the, uh, the, the extinction of the dinosaurs. And so underwater, there's this asteroid impact. And interestingly, even though it managed to hit the Earth with such force to create this impact, there's no sign of asteroid. Always the case. Quite interesting, isn't it? But what struck me is that it was talking about the edges of the impact crater having elements that were from deep within the Earth. And then suddenly I was like, oh, okay, so that sounds more like it's coming up, like something is coming up. And one of the signatures of the black hole principle is these bipolar jets, these um, jet, 
fine jets. Like you, you were always told that uh, old black holes are, you know, sucking in stuff and then, you know, like a plug hole. Well, actually, what you actually observe is that they're giving off jets, often at 180 degrees to each other, and they're fine jets. They're, they're funneled. And we can see these jets coming off all sorts of things, from comets to even stars to even planets have been seen giving off these jets. And you were talking about the atomic level. We've seen these around quarks, you know, from a subatomic level as well. So we see these jets at every single level. So when I thought of this, so the, the center of the Earth is also a black hole principle sort of um, center. You know, by the way, scientists have no idea what's at the center of the planet. They make up all these things. If you want to laugh, uh, as we say in, in the UK, if you want to laugh, go on YouTube and have a look at the explanations of the magnetic fields of our planet from a molten iron core, because that's what we're told. This is molten iron core that's shifting around, that's giving us these fluctuating magnetic fields. No, it's the same thing. It's a black hole principle dynamo at the center of our planet, and it produces geoneutrinos, um, anti-neutrinos, um, and it also produces water, the oceans. You know, there's um, a few months after I predicted that, um, and I said, stated publicly at the Institute of Noetic Sciences that there was um, water, um, uh, the water of our planet actually comes from the centre of our planet. Seven months later, there was worldwide headlines saying that an ocean has been found deep to beneath our planet's surface. So, you know, the, all the prediction, once you know the pattern, it's easy, isn't it? You can actually start to predict. And uh, so, and by the way, this was given to me in a vision. I'm not sitting here like I'm a clever cogs, you know, or whatever. It is coming through me. You know, the vision was given to me. And from that one moment back in 2003, I'm getting all of this information. So that's how I'm able to predict these things. So with the Earth, um, you know, the uh, center of the black, uh, center of the Earth is also working using this black hole principle, and that gives us, you know, volcanoes. It gives us all of these things. So what I realized is there must have been some major, major energy ejection causing the asteroid crater, and that is like a black hole principle um, event. But what do we have around the Gulf of Mexico? We have oil lots and lots of oil and uh, so suddenly I started to think gosh what if oil is actually not from fossils like we've been taught but actually is part of the black hole principle process that as long along with water it produces lots and lots of different elements and somehow either they're produced sort of in the higher realms as it were or as geometries in the higher realms that come to our realms below the speed of light or they're actually separate um, elements that are assembled after they've come to our dimension. I don't know for sure which one, but what I realize is it's this process that comes from the black hole principle itself. And I thought to myself, if I am right, then oil should be found all over space. 
because if it's something that is a universal process, then we should find it not only on this planet where it's supposed to have come from plankton and all sorts of things and cooked up over millions of years. You know, they tell us they tell us that story, don't they, when you're in school and you get to um, do all these sort of cycles and stuff. So I went from rotting things, <laughs> yes, over a long period of time, heated up and, yeah, compressed. <laughs> Even though nobody's well, managed to... Reproduce this in the lab, but never right. mind. You yeah. know, we can we can produce biomass fuels and things like that, but the actual process of making crude oil, nobody's ever managed to do. Um, so the excuse is, well, we haven't got enough time. We haven't cooked it for long enough. There's no, the pressure's not high high enough. So you know, in this narrative, give it enough time, and anything's possible. So it's very interesting that when I went to look for it, suddenly I found that oil has been found all over, not just our solar system, all over the universe. In fact, the biggest, the biggest oil well ever is coming very close to the Horsehead Nebula. And um, I thought, it, okay, it's it's not enough, it's not enough. And then, of course, we, we know, uh, you might have seen the headlines, that the biggest oil wells in the solar system are on Titan, which is one of Saturn's moons. We've hit pay dirt on Mars. You know, we found kerogen, which is, you know, a type of sort of the precursor to crude oil on Mars. So these are not artifacts. People have tested it and tested it, and they're not artifacts. So we're finding oil all over, literally all over the universe. And I thought, no, that's still not good enough. I have to find something that specifically reference, references the galactic center and would you believe it? I found it. There's some scientists that have found that grease comes out of the galactic center. So we have been finding organic chemicals in space for a long time. But, you know, now we can see that this is actually a process associated with the galactic center. It is, I mean, this is not me finding, I haven't got a telescope. I have to go on the, the, the ways that these, these astrophysicists are actually finding these things. But they have no idea why, you know. And then it's like, okay, that's oil. There's other things that we call fossil fuels. What about coal? And, um, you know, coal, I mean, this book is absolutely fantastic, by the way, The Deep Hot Biosphere by a physicist called Thomas Gold, who's no longer with us, total visionary. And, um, you know, it's called The Myth of Fossil Fuels. So he goes into great depth of why fossil fuels don't look like fossils. He doesn't go into the black hole aspect, but he, if you want to look at all the um, you know, the way that we started to get the idea anyway, it was a, it was like anything. It was a theory that was put forward and it just got taken up because there was nothing else that was around. So people got really wedded to this idea that, that coal and oil and methane were all fossils and um, all fossil fuels, you know. So um, basically <laughs> the coal idea, um, coal interestingly is often found associated with oil on this planet. Um, so there's something going on there because it's like, well, uh, isn't coal supposed to come from trees? And, 
you know, the plankton, you know, it, it sort of doesn't make sense how the oil and coal are so closely associated. So again, there's a hint that some other process is going on. And he talked, Thomas Gold talks about the upwelling theory that it's actually coming from deep within the earth, not coming down from the trees and the swamps and things. It's actually lots of evidence to show it's coming up. He doesn't talk about the black holes, but he's showing all the evidence that it's actually coming from down below upwards to the surface of the planet. So I was thinking, okay, if I'm right, then you should be able to find coal in space. <laughs> that sounds absolutely crazy. But um, guess what? we found coal in space and a professor in Hong Kong has actually found coal being ejected out of stars so rapidly he's saying to his because he's wedded to that theory as well he's going well we know coal occurs on earth over millions of years from trees so how is it that um, these stars are ejecting coal so rapidly um, and if you want any of these references, please go to the article that I've written, which is um, drmangia.com forward slash fossil. And I put all of the scientific references into a blog. Um, so that's drmangia.com forward slash fossil. So I, I just want to make sure that this is all reference. This, is, this isn't stuff that I'm just pulling out. So... Um, and it goes further. And uh, so when I realized reading Thomas Goldsberg that he talks about these Kimberlite uh, funnels. So these are these um, places in, like in South Africa, they're very, very narrow pipes, these Kimberlite pipes where diamonds are sometimes found. So diamonds, obviously, they're a different um, type of carbon. And uh, we think that they're produced by, you know, very, if you compress um coal you know if you compress coal enough or you compress carbon enough then you'll you'll get a diamond um so I was, I was thinking to myself i wonder if these very very narrow pipes again are ejections from black hole and that's what's producing um the in certain circumstances the heat and the pressure is enough in the ejection that it's producing a diamond this time instead of coal so i was thinking of that case diamonds should be found all over the universe here we go again and so I did some and it didn't take me long at all to find that yes indeed diamonds are found all over the universe and in fact diamonds have found been found raining down on Neptune so I know this is going to make some of some of the women may be here very very excited at the thought when do we start having our uh, private space industry, you know, delivering us to Neptune, right, for a little mining. And mining is going to become an issue, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, none of this at all, I, I, I'm not saying for a second that we should, right, let's get on our spaceships <laughs> and go mine the nearest asteroid or whatever, you know, but um, it, obviously some people are, are actually planning yeah. this, you know, some companies are actually um, uh, coming up and space mining is becoming a thing. Um, but the thing that I'm interested in is why are the diamonds there? Why is the coal there? Why is the oil there? There are plans to go to Titan to um, to bring back that oil. 
Um, but why is it there in the first place? It shouldn't be there because we think that oil and coal come from living organisms that have died long ago. Well, unless you're going to say that Titan was once full of, of, um, of plankton and things like that, then it shouldn't be there. Methane too, or methane. You know, we're seeing just even the last few weeks, um, astronomers have been uh, very puzzled by the fact that they can see methane plumes that are coming from Mars and they're going all sorts of explanations. Like <laughs> there's things that are under the surface that are farting or that I kid you not, ro the ro Mars rover, Curiosity rover is farting. And what, the, <laughs> what that means is the Curiosity rover had some sort of leakage and was ejecting periodically, you know, this gas. So basically, um, methane is a very simple structure, as you probably know, CH4, you know, so you've got this combination probably coming out of the black hole and then combining, and as it does, it is being ejected just like a, a geyser or geyser of water, just like the gamma ray burst, intermittent ejections from the black hole principle process. And it's at every single level. So we're seeing this on various planets. We're seeing this on Mars. Um, so and we see it in our own planet too. And, you know, an understanding of this might lead to more safety in coal mines, for example, because as everybody knows, this intermittent gas release is what causes a lot of the dangerous situations in coal mines. Um, so, you know, having this better understanding of the ejections of, you know, volcanoes, volcano lightning, you know, um, you know, that's a good example of the electrons mm -hmm. coming out of the volcano, you know, and uh, understanding, you know, I mean, there was one documentary I saw where they were putting water into Yellowstone thinking it's going to calm it down. Now, um, you don't know what that's going to do to the black hole principle process because you may actually be stimulated. So it has all sorts of, um, of applications from space mining to understanding our own planet better, to understand our weather, climate change. I was probably the only person who predicted that hurricanes would also have gamma ray bursts and antimatter in them. They found that just last year because they're the same principle. They're the same pattern as the galactic black holes in the center of a galaxy, which where you see, um, you know, the gamma ray burst, um, the uh, <laughs> the anti-matter and the antimatter. you know, it's the same principle all the way down. Um, so, yeah, it's got lots and lots of different applications. Do you care to comment, before we go into, to me, another really magical area of this, which is the creative process and the notion of consciousness at the core of and permeating all of this and deriving and directing it as the organizing principle. Let's talk just for a moment. You were talking about climate change because recently I interviewed uh, Billy Carson, uh, on my show at Gaia. And Billy's featured on a lot of different shows. He's, again, another one of these all-round geniuses with a real um, particular fancy for astrophysics. And one of the things he was talking about was that we were talking about all the disruptive weather patterns that were going on at that moment and that continue with no end in sight, really. And he was saying, well, there isn't because global warming is a feature of our entire solar system because we're on the short end of the elliptical, right, as we pass through the galactic center. So you're getting more of these, he called them gravitational waves from the sun that are causing more friction and disturbance on not just our planet, but the other planets as well, right? 
And so how does that factor into what you're saying? Where does the black hole principle come into weather changes? And, and he said, this, that's to, and I just want to say this right up front, that has to be separated out from the toxic effects of what we're spewing out on this planet. Climate change is much more complex and it appears to be cosmic in great part as well. So comment as you will on this. Yes, I, I don't for a second, please don't think for a second that I, anybody watching that I'm saying, great, we've got endless oil, let's burn lots of it. Because like you're saying, it's the toxic effects of that are not going to go away, you know, air pollution, everything like that. Um, so I'm not advocating that for a second. Um, but uh, yeah, we need a better understanding. Now, um, you know, when you don't understand the basic things about climate like how hurricanes happen and you know again have a look at the scientists it's so convoluted and um it, you know if you you look it up do hurricanes have lightning you can still find some references to say of course they don't because they're not produced in, the, in that way but we know that they do because we can see them and now we're seeing government so this is some of the basic stuff we don't understand about our own climate and our own weather yeah. um so it's how can you make these climate predictions but what i think is happening is that the um i mean you know it's really interesting what he said but i would also say that every single um center of every single black hole is the same it's this infinite consciousness um and that's the part that i didn't say at the beginning that the perception horizon is the boundary of our universe because it's the limit of our three-dimensional consciousness and uh, so it's not uh, the limit of the, the universe and beyond the perception horizon right. is all the dark matter and dark energy that, you know, the um, astrophysicists don't understand what it is. Someone just won a Nobel Prize for it, but they don't understand what it is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a really interesting situation. But what we see around us, the stars, planets, galaxies, everything, is, including ourselves, is just 0.1% of the universe. So the idea that we know what's going on is ludicrous. So be, most of the universe is beyond this perception horizon at the speed of light. So consciousness is very, very much embedded in the black hole principle. And um, so the center of the black hole is the same, no matter which black hole you're talking about, whether that be a center of a galaxy or an atom or even your chakra, it's the same center. It's that unmovable stillness. It's literally the eye of the storm, and it's the same eye of the storm. So what I think is changing is that connected consciousness, that ultimate consciousness at the center and as that is going through maybe cycles um, that's changing the black hole behavior at every single level so we will get more eruptions we will get more um, solar flares we will get more um, you know uh, maybe geysers on io on Jupiter lost its stripe recently and you know so you're getting all these fluctuations and as these this consciousness itself changes um you're gonna get changes now one of them I think as I said the oceans of the earth um you know come from the center of the earth itself so as the black hole principle works you end up getting emissions of water and that's why the oceans are replenishing themselves you know, we had fairly major incidents in the past where we had what's known as great floods. 
And I believe it's a consciousness changed of not only the planet, but all because <laughs> every single black hole is connected. It emitted a load of water. And if you look at the Bible, it said it rained and also water came up from the deep. So, you know, so you, it actually had an ejection of water, which created really quite a different world afterwards. You know, if you look at the ancient texts, they talk about antediluvian and post-diluvian. You know, so this is where the um, we had a major climate change event. The black hole itself of the Earth, the consciousness itself, changed and then gave this huge emission of water. And that's what caused what we call the biblical flood. Or there were, you know, seems to be quite a few floods going back in the ancient. Yes. Obviously, you've interviewed quite a lot of people on this, Regina. I know. I have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so okay, moving this into the notion that behind all of it is it's all being organized, driven uh, through the process of through consciousness. And so, as you said earlier on, which I think is really interesting, um, you have the same force that's driving the black hole phenomena, but it can literally apply itself to create elements as needed and in a given universe, a given solar system, even in our human bodies, the earth itself, it seems that whatever this creative organizing of forces, it can take the basis of the element, the basis of the elements we have and create whatever it is we need, which means that life is constantly replenishing itself life throughout the universe is constantly replenishing with the elements, combining them as needed. Just like uh, you'd have to tell me, uh, the original need to create, say, fossil fuels and coal on this planet and the various ways they've been used uh, by the earth itself and by humans throughout history, for example. Who knows? It's a mind that we can't even begin to understand, but I find this fascinating. Everything starts with the same thing, and it can be applied to create what's needed into whatever dimension of physicality in these physical realms as needed. So one of the things I thought of is if we have this um, water, production of water at the center of black holes, and we, our body is made of atoms, which at the center of each atom is a black hole, then could we, for example, become breatharians as some people claim they have been because our body is going to simply create the elemental nutrients and water needed to sustain our lives is you see what i'm saying i i absolutely agree with you i think that is um another thing and and i you know what we have this uh, production of water that we do every day we call it just metabolic water that it comes out of the uh, metabolic process of, of our body but what if that's coming from that black hole principle yeah. process so we don't have to drink whatever eight glasses of water a day that's totally a misnomer because we do make some of it um so where's that coming from so you then have to look and think well you know it's coming from this process and what if we got really good at this process would we need to drink anything at all you wonder well, that's what so, I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. So, you know, people who have this conscious control, you know, you have this, you know, avatars throughout the ages who may even know how to go beyond the speed of light. So if they're able to take their um, matter and antimatter and turn that consciously into uh, into light, then they can move their consciousness itself and their awareness 
beyond the speed of light because you know a, a, a neutrino can go faster than the speed of light and the, the law that einstein said is that and nothing with mass can go faster than the speed of light so although you can't take your physical body you know if you can transmute your physical body and this is what the avatars and the sages throughout the ages have been doing in deep meditation then you can transcend in a way that's more integrated into other realms we we all of us can take our consciousness into other realms so yes we we're moving from this idea that everything was created 15 billion years ago the party's over we're not special nothing is special to this idea that the universe is continuously creative and that's borne out this isn't just talking you know in a fanciful way um the very evidence that was supposed to have proved Big Bang, which is the cosmic microwave radiation, which you might have heard of, or cosmic CMB, uh, cosmic microwave background. Now, that was discovered and Nobel Prizes have been given out. And um, so you have this um, microwave background that's always there. And, you know, it was supposed to show something that had happened 15 billion years ago. Therefore, it shouldn't have any patterns that are to do with current structures. But we see that there are fluctuations in the microwave background that are to do with structures now. So what's going on? Well, as I said earlier, microwaves come out of black holes. So the cosmic microwave background is not 15 billion years ago. It's being created in every moment. Yes. So even the very evidence that's supposed to prove Big Bang disproves it. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, uh, yes, I love your work. And I love that general message that this is a constantly generative process, life itself. Um, and so now you teach a course um, that's fascinating because it takes the black hole principle into the implications and uses and our and understanding of our everyday life. And I was hoping you would tease us with just a couple of these because when we've talked about before, but I think for those who haven't heard it, people find it endlessly fascinating and actually very hopeful. And that is the notion of antimatter and reverse time. So I'd like you to just share a little bit, tease us about that a bit. And then also the subject of our chakras as black holes, as constantly emanating, being programmed with information and then emanating energy, more information, you tell us. Can we talk about those two things? Yes, yes. So um, the course is called Simply Divine and I wanted to do something that was really easy to understand. It takes you all the way from the quantum physics level and understanding that and, and the applications of that, the science of consciousness, all the way to how to really live this black hole life. You know, what does this sort of black hole principle mean for you? So one of the things I said earlier is that when you get to the edge of a black hole, uh, when a photon sorry, gets to the edge of a black hole, that's also two really, um, then it splits into the matter and the counterpart, the mirror image, the antimatter. Now the matter part has got a forward timeline as you will see a little child going into an adult. Um, but the antimatter part, which is this mirror image, um, you see you see the opposite timeline. So that's an adult going into a child. Now that's that's the C squared region, the speed of light squared. So um, the two coexist in slightly different regions to each other. 
but ultimately they are just two parts of the light and that light is the part that's all in the eternal now that's the part that's out of space and time so um the but what we are experiencing is the forward timeline so the three zones are utterly linked so we experience in our consciousness a child going to an adult but guess what in order for there to be an eternal now there's got to be some part of the universe where that cancels out you know so the three are in existence it's just we are aware of the forward timeline so we also can become aware of the negative timeline as well. So that's not negative in this bad way. It's just it's going from um, it's going from forward to backwards. So that's where the future has already happened in the C squared region. And you might be thinking, oh, I don't like that. Where the future's already happened? Where's my choice? Well, the choice is at the level of beyond the speed of light. So we as beings are multidimensional yes. and we can span all of it. The antimatter, the matter and the beyond speed of light level. So it's from the beyond the speed of light level that we are as our higher selves, as it were. So look and go, right, what lessons do I need to learn in this, this incarnation or this series of incarnations <laughs> and putting in all of the lessons that we need to learn into these timelines so that we experience, experience what we need to experience. So what happens is we start to, on our journey, get aligned with that part of us that's beyond the speed of light, and that's when we move into this flow with this instant manifestation and just, you know, understanding and feeling aligned. And that's when we we realize that we have already created everything. And then it's a completely different – instead of – the law of attraction, the way it's taught, is often about, it's all about you doing from your C region, your um, your electron area, the part of matter, your, or otherwise known as ego self, really, you know, where you're sitting and going, I want this and I want that. And that's fine. It will work for a certain amount of time. And then you get to a point where you surrender and you're surrendering to the point where, actually, I've created all of this. And when you start to get into that and start to realize the science behind that, the C and C squared region, then you can actually relax into it and understand a bit more of what's going on. And instead of going, how can I change my reality? Going, why did I create this reality? What's the lesson Absolutely. in this? Absolutely. What is the highest potential in it? What is it I could possibly be, have chosen this for in terms of my own expansion, learning, and evolution? And I agree with you. Um, and it's interesting because there you're talking really in common parlance, you might be talking about the soul, which certainly transcends space, time, and, and this uh, perception horizon. And so we're making these, these decisions at a very high level, very conscious level for what's needed on a soul level to gain in this lifetime, to learn in this lifetime or transform whatnot. And so I love that idea because then we can look at it practically and it takes away victimhood of any kind, even though we sometimes choose some, choose some really harsh experiences to learn from. And I think that's where people get a lot of the uh, relief out of the notion of reverse time. Yes, exactly. And these, these, as you say, these aren't unique teachings to me. What I'm talking about is giving that scientific framework yes. so you understand from the black hole perspective how this all fits together. 
Um, so we talk in the in the course we talk about living from C squared. You know, so you're living from this allowing of your future to unfold, the future you've already chosen. <laughs> And uh, so you you still make decisions, but you know that every single decision you make is a decision you've already made, and that is always going to be the right one. And there's there's just amazing liberation in that. So ironically, some of the law of attraction can be a bit, you know, uh, the way it's taught normally is uh, why did you manifest that? Oh, you're not a good manifester, and all this sort of stuff. But once you come into this black hole framework and what we do in the course is explain just why it's operating at every single level of the universe your emotions even you know every single mo uh, uh, you know situation you're in you're collapsing a, a matter and antimatter into light just like john d martini has said now you've got a black hole cosmology framework as well as a quantum framework for why that's happening so um you know he did some great work and he really started to really connect the matter and the antimatter with emotions so you've got that you've also got and for the first time an understanding and I even interviewed Harry Oldfield and uh, he is a professor who um, has developed this method of actually looking at light interference patterns and and sometimes it can pick up things which seem to be higher dimensional and he didn't know what chakras were and he started to scan and found all these with his pip equipment yes. he started to find all these chakras and he didn't know what they were. <laughs> and um so that's a wonderful story because it shows someone who's objective who wasn't looking for them and he found these things so what are they what are the chakras well now we see the same sort of pattern you see the sort of spiral we even see them giving off light that paul um fits out for fits our book pop calls them yes. by Yes. Um, and he also realized that they are, you know, in, in their breathing, you know, a, a healthy person has fluctuations of light. You know, light is a whole language in uh, biology that hasn't been fully explored. Um, Harry Orfield, again, did some wonderful work on Daphnia and uh, the little creatures and showing that they these ripples of light that go across the Daphnia. It's just amazing. So there is a whole language of light that we use as well. So off our own bodies, we have these pulsings of light you know so this is the sort of black hole principle in action you know the winding and unwinding of the dna spiral you know it spirals all the way down so once you understand that we're part of this continuous creation in our chakras in our atoms you know think about the atom and the way that the electron goes up and down the electron shells and you have this antimatter hole paul dirac talks about the you know, started to talk about the antimatter, and um, you know, he was another uh, Nobel Prize-winning physicist for it. And uh, then they eventually found antimatter in cosmic rays, and he won the Nobel. So he was the first one to realize that as the electron, the electron is paired with the uh, with the positron, the antimatter inside the atom itself. And think about radioactivity where you have an electron moving um, fast out of a big, uh, a heavy nucleus. So you've got the same sort of um, patterns that are going all the way down throughout reality. Once you start to just see, oh, yeah, actually, that's the same sort of signature, then you realize it's the same pattern all the way down. And probably levels that we're not aware of either, because it is infinite. <laughs> I, well, um, 
I, you know, I have to go back and watch my interview with Harry Oldfield and Fritz Albert Pop. It's been so many years of a lot of times I'll take it in, put pieces together and then move on to the next subject because by nature of my work, I'm a dilettante. But over time, you start putting all these stories together. And that's what I love about talking to you is because you draw it all together for us. And um, what you put together, I think, is just going to be a gift that it was gifted you that's going to continue giving for probably decades, if not centuries ahead. So any final comments on this before we go? Because people can come take your course, right? Online, is that how it works? Yes, yes, the Assembly Divine, which puts it all together and helps you to understand it from the perspective of what it means for you, how to live the black hole principle way, as it were. Um, I've got a special offer for anybody watching this as well. So if you go to um, drmangia.com, so D R m-a-n-j-i-r.com forward slash s-d for Simply Divine. You'll see all the information there. And if you click through to the uh, to the shopping cart and put in the coupon code Regina, oh, <laughs> which is so nice. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. That's a nice so, <laughs> you'll <laughs> say, And you can choose your own, um, you can choose US dollars or um, if British pounds if you want, or euros, uh, just from the drop down. And you can also put in the coupon code Regina, you'll get 25% off. Cool. And that's good to the end of 2019, which is the year that oh, we're perfect. filming this. <laughs> so if you want to join us on Simply Divine, you also get the Conscious Science Club as well for a year, you know, which is where we all hang out or from all over the world. And, uh, you know, you'll get all of this stuff. So you'll be entered into a special membership site. And, you know, even just that Conscious Science Club alone, you know, where you can actually talk about all this stuff is just so cool for us to gather every month. We gather every month in there. So, um, yeah, you'll get the course, you'll get the Conscious Science Club. And uh, so use that coupon code Regina and, uh, <laughs> and, and we can all become black hole geeks with you <laughs> I love it and if you as I said if you want to go to that article as well that's um, yeah. com forward slash fossil got all yeah. the science got all the data of the latest things but we talk about that in the conscious science club as well so if you want to come and hang out with us on that that would be very cool I love it. well Manjir thank you so much because uh, you're you're in England right now so it's getting late your time I really appreciate your staying up to uh, talk with us and I look forward to whatever the next thing is that's going to arise from your visionary uh, multidimensional mind. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Manjir. Oh, thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today and for believing in me all this time. It, I, I know really it's do appreciate it. I've known you a lot of years now. We've been <laughs> to each other's homes and I just constantly am amazed at what you come up with. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being your brilliant genius self. <laughs> Okay, everybody. So again, it's Dr. Manjir, D-R-M-A-N-J-I-R.com. And you can go to the various references she was talking about. Also, I first started going down her rabbit hole uh, years ago when she wrote the book, Punk Science. That's, that's how we met initially about gosh, 15 years ago. So if you haven't read Punk Science, it's definitely worth a read because that's where you re she really introduces the Black Hole Principle. So until next time, thank you for joining us here on ReginaMeredith.com. <laughs>